word. We'll be reading from 1 Peter 2.13. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme. Maybe you see was a, a call for all of us to target people that we love who are not Christians. People that we love who are not Christians. We want to reach out to them and help them to see the need to obey the Lord. Now, this sermon series from 1 Peter is very practical. Peter writes a book that we can apply to our daily lives, especially in our attempt to reach your five. Remember what we do for our, for our five. For your five, you want to pray daily for them. For your five, you want to live for Jesus 24-7. For your five, you want to encourage them. For your five, you want to always positively promote God's church. And for your five, you want to look for that open door into their heart. And when it presents itself, you want to go through that door and show them their need for Jesus. We're up to the part here in 1 Peter that you may kind of scratch your head because the lesson tonight is entitled, Do I Have to Do What the Government Commands? And I've already told you that every lesson from this epistle of 1 Peter will have some degree of impact on your five. So you're wondering, how does this lesson tonight impact the five that I love? Well, I first need to go to a book that was written many years ago. This book is not a religious book. It was written by a man named Dale Carnegie, and it's, the book was really in purpose to really help the business world. The book was titled, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Now, I'm not here to get you to buy that book, okay? I'm not here to do that. But this book is the classic book about influencing people and winning friends. Now, he was asked a question. What impacts your level of influence? He gave 
10 things that impact your level of influence. On that list, number six was how you handle politics. At best, politics and how we react to government, it's messy, <laughs> really messy. At worst, it's one massive power grab after another. Now, that raises a question. I'm going to get to that question in just a moment. It raises a question that Christian believers have been debating for centuries. All the way from the first century believers under Nero that Peter is writing this letter to, to sincere believers like you and me in the 21st century, living under increasingly godless governments. Now, before I get to the questions, I want to make a statement. I must say that I deeply appreciate each Christian who serves his or her nation as a politician. In fact, I'm going to say to you, we need more Christians serving in local governments, state governments, and national government. Now, saying that, let's look at our questions. What should the Christian's involvement in politics be? What should followers of Christ do when it comes to trying to create a better society overall? What should citizens of heaven do when it comes to responsibilities as citizens here on earth? And more importantly, here's the really the big question, is how do you model the right example to your five? Because that's really what we're really focused on tonight. How do we handle all of this in regards to influencing our five? Peter, here in 1 Peter, is writing to a group of Christians suffering under government persecution in the first century. And he instructs them on how they should relate to such a government. Let's go back to verse 13. Therefore, submit. Circle that word. Submit. Yourselves to every ordinance. How about the ones I don't like? How about the ones I don't agree with? How about the ones that I would rather not follow? Uh-uh. It's every ordinance of man. Why? For the Lord's sake. For the Lord's sake. Whether to the king, hold it here, Peter. You know who the king is? Yeah, I know who the king is. Whether to the king as supreme or to governors. They were some pretty bad governors back then. As to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. You know what? I'm surprised. 
Are you not surprised? I'm surprised that, uh, that uh, Peter writes this. Peter doesn't tell them to resist a government that's persecuting them. Now, if Peter had said, now, your local people, obey them. But uh, the emperor, the governors, hey, you do all you can to uh, rattle their cages and you do all you can to oppose them and you do all you can to uh, be a thorn in their flesh. If I had been writing this letter, that's how I might have wrote it. But that's not how Peter wrote it. He tells them to submit to such a government as they had back then. That's right. As followers of Christ, God calls us to submit to all human authority. I told you to circle that word submit. That word submit is actually a military term. It literally means to put yourself under the authority of a superior officer. You don't have to like it, and often we won't. You don't have to agree with a governing official, and often we won't. But like an enlisted man in the military, you respect the position of the office over the person. You respect it enough to obey every order that doesn't go against God's law itself. Did, did you notice that? That doesn't go against God's law itself. What did the apostle say in Acts 4, 19 and 20? But Peter and John answered and said to them, they're speaking to the Jewish leadership. The Jewish leadership says, Shh, don't do that anymore. Hush up. We don't want to hear anything more about this Jesus. They say to those Jewish leaders, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Now, in an ideal world, in the ideal world, government officials punish those who do evil and they praise those who do good. In an ideal world, they administer justice fairly and impartially. But guess what? That's not always the case, is it? Peter is writing to people that are suffering from a less than ideal situation and we today are suffering from a less than ideal situation. Things happening in Washington. Things happening in our state. And yes, even sometimes things happening locally are not what we want to see as Christians. But we do what we can to voice our opinion, our feelings, and we do what we can to change things for the good, realizing that often we can't change it. Often things go against the way we as Christians want to see it go.
It certainly was not the case of the world. When Peter was writing these words, most likely he writes this during the reign of Nero. Well, who was Nero? According to historians, Nero was a crazed, he was a cruel emperor, he was a pleasure-driven man who ruled the world, the Roman Empire, by whim and fear. He was the first emperor to bring about widespread persecution upon the Christians. How did he get to be emperor? His mother, Agrippina, she convinced Claudius, the emperor, to adopt Nero. Furthermore, she convinced Claudius to make Nero to be next in line, even over Claudius' own son. So what does she do then? When he is officially next in line, she murders Claudius, creating a new emperor, Nero, at the age of 17. Now, you would think that Nero would be indebted to his mother. He had his mother stabbed to death, got rid of her. He took his devoted wife, Octavia, and had her beheaded and gave the head to his mistress. And then when his mistress got pregnant with his own child, he kicked her to the point of death. But more than that is what he did in 64 A.D. In 64 A.D., he wants to... Um, get rid of part of Rome. He wants to do a massive building campaign. He wants to make things really nice and new. He wants to get rid of the old. The Senate won't approve it. The Senate says, no, we don't have the money. We can't do that. So what does he do? He burns it. Ha-ha, I'll make you build new. And then when the when everything was turning and looking like he was the cause of the fire, he blamed the fire on the Christians. The Christians became human torches, used to light the night sky. And even Peter and Paul, Peter and Paul may, may have died during the reign of Nero. So Peter is writing to Christians who are suffering the first widespread Roman persecution. And he says, submit. Submit to the authorities. You know, you think some of our political leaders are bad? Think about having to live 2,000 years ago under Nero. Yet Peter says to respect the office even if you cannot. Respect the officer. Do your best. Do your best to obey government laws as long as they do not conflict with God's law. That means obey the speed limits, pay your taxes, and cooperate as much as you can with local authorities. One person said this, I kind of like it. 
He said, a real patriot is a fellow who gets a parking ticket and rejoices that the system works. Well, that may be taking it a little too far. But at least pay that parking ticket without giving the clerk at the county courthouse any grief. Why? Because you're a Christian. You're a Christian. Obey all human authority. Why? Because of Jesus. Go back and look at verse 13. For the Lord's sake. What's the motivation for us to do all this? It's for the Lord's sake. It's because He wants His people to always do what is right. The Lord wants His people to always do what is right. Because bottom line, God is the one who put all human governments in place. Romans 13, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority, what are you doing? You're really resisting the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. The Christian, the Christian should be the best citizen. The Christian should be the best example of a citizen. To obey government is to obey God except when a government official asks asks you to disobey a command of scriptures. Then, what do you do? You choose to obey God rather than man. We've already looked at Acts 4. Let's look at Acts 5. But Peter and the other apostles, first it was just Peter and John, now we've got the whole group. Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. God before men. When God and government conflict, you as a follower of Christ must choose to obey God. But when there is no conflict, obey your government official as if you're obeying God Himself. But Michael, what if it's something I don't like? What if it's something that I just don't want to do? I don't want to pay taxes. I I, I don't want to have to file reports. I I don't want to have to go to the courthouse. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. As long as it doesn't conflict with God's law. As a Christian, we do always what is right. In 1814, Francis Scott Key wrote the Star Banner. Oh, I just love the words. Uh, it just gives me a thrill just to see the words, to uh, hear the words uh, 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 sung. It just really is a joy for me. He wrote that song while on a ship 10 miles out to sea. Fort McHenry was being, was being uh, bombed. You know, they were trying to overtake Fort McHenry. And he was viewing a 42 by 30 foot flag, a giant flag that hung on a flagpole that was 189 feet in the air over the fort. People have always wondered, 
What kept that flagpole up? Because you see, all the other tall structures came plummeting down, except that flagpole. In 1958, they finally discovered why it stood. Because in 1958, they had to do some deep digging. They were making some changes in that area, and they had to do some deep digging about 10 feet down. They discovered two eight-foot massive oak timbers that were put in the formation of a cross. And they determined that the flagpole would have been right there in the middle of the cross. In other words, that flagpole, its foundation was that buried cross. The cross-shaped support provided a firm foundation for the symbol of our national freedom. Now, that's great. And truly, our nation did start as a Christian nation, a Judeo-Christian nation. But we're not a Christian nation anymore, unfortunately. You can't see the evidence of Christ in the majority of the rules and laws that are being made today as they were 200 years ago. Things have changed, that's true. So don't look to any politician to save our country. Look to Jesus as the true answer. Because our country has, got out, has actually abandoned Jesus and got away from Jesus. We need to get back to Jesus. We need to look to Jesus as the only true answer to our needs. He will answer our needs. He is the solution for what we need. So point your five to Jesus. Because He is their only Savior. Submit to all human authority, first of all, because of Jesus. Second, submit because of your critics. Obey government officials to what? Silence those who would try to discredit your testimony as a believer in Christ. Look at verse 15. For this is the will of God. This is God's will. That by doing good, circle that, doing good, you may put to silence, circle that word, silence, the ignorance of foolish men. That word, silence. Literally, it means to muzzle. Literally, that you might muzzle the ignorance of foolish people. God wants you to muzzle your critics with good deeds. That's what happened around the world. As people rise up and do what is right. I had the opportunity a couple years ago, to get to know a young Islamic man, wonderful man, in Afghanistan. He did what was not politically correct. He became a Christian. He became a Christian in an Islamic 
country. I don't know today what happened to him. I wish I did. Here's what I think happened to him. I think he was arrested. I think he was hung probably by his neck until he died. When he became a Christian, I asked him, I said, are you scared? He said, honestly, I am because I'm human. But this is what I want to do. I want to become a Christian. Standing up for what is right in, despite what his government was about to say about it. It reminds me of, of an article that a guy named Matthew Paris wrote. Matthew Paris is a newspaper columnist for the London Times. And as he describes himself, he is a gay atheist. He was born and raised in Africa. And he went back to Africa. Here is what he said on that trip, coming back from that trip. Traveling here in my native country of Africa has unfortunately refreshed a belief, one that I've been trying to banish all my life. But it's an observation I've been unable to avoid since my African childhood. It confounds my ideological beliefs. It stubbornly refuses to fit my worldview, and it has embarrassed my growing belief that there is no God. Even though I'm a confirmed atheist, I have now become convinced of the enormous contribution that Christian evangelism has made in Africa. Christian evangelism, so different from failed government projects, so different from failed international aid efforts, Christian evangelism that has changed the hearts of my people. It has brought a transformation. It has brought a rebirth. My country is better today because of Christians. By doing good, those Christians had put to silence the ignorance of even an atheist newspaper writer. He had no argument against such a change in the lives of the people that he loved. Let's do the same. Let's make sure people see Jesus in our lives 24-7. Let's always do what is right. Submit to all human authority, first of all, because of Christ. Second, because of your critics. And third, submit because you are free. Verse 16. As free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bond servants of Christ. What is Peter saying here? Well, this verse right here is, in the original text, is a part of the continual long sentence that actually started back in verse 13. 
Back in verse 13, you have the main verb of the whole sentence. And that is to submit. Even though, even though we are not Roman citizens, even though we're not Roman soldiers, even though you're not the Roman government, you submit, first century Christians. You do what is right, no matter how people around you act. You see, only those who are truly free can honestly and willingly submit. Let me put it another way. Submission is not something done to you. As a free person, submission is something you choose to do because you are free to do it. You see, freedom is not the ability to do whatever I feel like doing. Such so-called freedom just ends up enslaving you to your passions. It makes you an addict to alcohol, drugs, sex, work, or even power. You see, true freedom... True freedom is different. Getting, being addicted, that's not freedom, that's bondage. Freedom is not the ability to do whatever I feel like doing. Freedom is the ability to do what I know God wants me to do. To do His will, which is good, acceptable, and perfect, which is a much better will than my will. Think about the pilgrims who came to this country searching for a better life. You think about the leaders of the restoration movement trying to go back to the first century. Let's make it right. Let's go back to how God wanted the church to be. Let's make it right. Let's do God's will, His way. But only those who put their trust in Jesus are really truly free. Even if they live in oppressive countries, Jesus has set them free, even from the fear of death. Now, did some of the Christians in the first century die? Yes, they certainly did die. Hebrews chapter 2, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil. The devil has no power over us. He cannot even use the fear of death because it won't work. Death is simply an entrance into heaven for the believer, so an oppressive government cannot even use the threat of death to coerce them. Believers in Christ are the only ones in any country that are truly free. So use your freedom as a believer not to indulge yourself with your passions, but to serve others, to do what is right, to be that model citizen. Galatians 5, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Notice, serve one another. That's how believers should relate to government. In fact, God says, submit to all human authority. 
Submit because of Jesus. Submit because of your critics. And submit because you are free. I think verse 17 sums it up pretty well. Look at verse 17. Honor all people. Well, how about those people you don't agree with? All people. The ones you agree with, the ones you don't agree with. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Respect God. Honor the king. That, my friends, is a way to create a better society. Live your life in such a way as to point your five to their only Savior, not the government, Jesus, the Christ. Want to impact your five this year? Don't grumble and complain. Instead, serve in such a way that inspires others to serve. And impact your five for Jesus. Let your voice be heard. Do what we can to make a better community. You want to become a Christian? Here's what it takes. You must believe, repent, confess. You must be baptized. As a Christian... Do you need to seek forgiveness? The church here stands ready to pray for you and with you. If you have any need to respond, will you please do so as we stand and sing for your encouragement. Oh, do not let